We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. The Bible says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now jump down with me to verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, an interesting wording there. He turns to the woman, but he's speaking to Simon. Interesting. Do you see this woman? He says to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I want to turn and read another passage of Scripture very quickly in Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 14 and verse 20. Verse 14 says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Bow your heads with me now. Father, thank you for the next uh, few moments. Thank you, Lord, that you are in this place. We've already felt your presence. We've already invited you here. We've created an atmosphere through our worship that you love. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming now and walking among us and gracing us with your presence today. So, Lord, I pray now that you will anoint me to communicate this truth at a level, Lord, that every person under the sound of my voice can receive. And let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And for that, Lord, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want to... deal today with the heart attitude that is necessary for revival. How many of you recognize that if you don't, you're living in a cave somewhere, but how many of you recognize that the world is in a mess? The world is in trouble. Uh, This is a desperate world. It's a fearful world. It's a divided, divisive world. It's a world that is afraid 
They don't know what's coming next. And sitting in the middle of all of that chaos and all of that fear and all that, sitting in the middle of it is the most powerful entity on this planet called the Church of Jesus Christ. So why is it that the culture has affected the church rather than the church having not affected the culture? Why is the world... See, I can understand the world being afraid. I can't understand a born-again, blood-washed, tongue-talking, devil-kicking, justified, blood-washed, child of God living in fear come on somebody I was joking about preaching a three while ago I'm about to change my mind I think I might I am a third generation Pentecostal preacher I cut my teeth on the back of church pews this is all I've ever known and I, uh, so I can talk about us a little bit. I'm, you know, I mean, I've got some history with this thing. And I, uh, you know, Michael just threw me out there today and made me reveal how old I am. I just didn't appreciate that very much. But I dated myself with all those figures he was asking me to throw out. But one thing it does allow me to do is it allows me to speak about the church with some authority. And I can tell you that the church needs to repent. The church needs revival. When I was growing up in church in classical Pentecostalism, and many of you grew up in either in Pentecostalism or, or at least grew up in Christianity, we used to do a lot of what we called revivals. Revivals would last sometimes a week, five weeks, six weeks. I can remember as a little boy growing up in church and my daddy was a pastor of a church all my life. And I can remember them running revivals, man, for five weeks at a time. We'd go to church every night for five weeks, come home, get in bed about midnight and get up and go to school the next morning. Nowadays, they put my parents in jail for child abuse. That was... I did have a drug problem when I was younger. My parents drugged me to church. And as a result of them dragging me to church, I stand here today at 69 years old with a, with a, uh, with, with a confidence in an almighty God that I would have never had had we not had some revivals in the church. Here's my concern about what we did. I love those series of meetings and I love what we were trying to accomplish. But what we were trying to do was evangelistic in nature. We were holding revivals for the purposes of getting people saved. Well, I, I think it's wonderful. I, I say let's have more of them. But the, my only thing is that now I've gotten a little older and wiser. I realize that we were calling it the wrong thing. Because revival is not when the world gets right. Revival is when the church gets right. How many of you know you can't be revived if you've never been vived? So we're trying to get people revived, ain't never been vived, and calling it a revival. 
Revival is when the church recognizes, man, we have dropped the ball. We've let the world manipulate us into a corner so that we now reflect the culture instead of the culture reflecting the church. And so it's time for revival. How many of you would agree with me today? It's time for the church to experience revival. Hallelujah. Glory. Hmm. Hallelujah. If I throw this microphone and take a lap, somebody go with me because I'm just feeling this. This woman, the Bible, the Bible calls her a sinner woman. She was a sinner. I mean, uh, it was amazing how, how we just threw her out there. Sinner woman. <laughs> See, most Christians, those of us that have been saved for a while, our, our, our philosophy is, for God so loved the world till I got saved. Now he hates it. God hates all them, uh, all them drug addicts and homosexuals and all them atheists. And <laughs> he loves me. <laughs> but he hates all them sinners. How I many of you know God still loves the world? <laughs> Amen. And the fact that you got saved ain't got nothing to do with the fact that he loves the world. Some people act like they did God a favor when they got saved. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all ever been to one of them testimony services where somebody stood up and testified and said, I just want to thank God that I found the Lord back in 1955 and I've been serving him ever since. And when I was growing up, I didn't pay much attention to that. But now that I'm a little older, I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> hang on, wait a minute. Uh, now, let me get this right. You found God in 55. You, you, you found God. How I many of you know you ain't never found God nowhere, no time, no way, no place did you ever find God? God walked into your miserable mess of a life and found you. Amen. This sinner woman demonstrated some attitudes that I think are necessary if we're going to be an uncommon person in the kingdom. Because this woman stood out. Man, this woman stole the show. This woman got the Lord's attention. She got recorded in the greatest history book ever written. So when I... If she got herself recorded, I want to learn something from her. She was a nobody when she went into that house, but was a somebody when she came out. Her story has been told from pulpits all over the world ever since. And here we're talking about her again today. So in our pursuit of revival, it's important for us to find out what is the heart that God revives. This woman demonstrated the kind of heart that God revived. So I want to show it to you today and give you six characteristics of the heart that God revives. Now, this is a word for the body of Christ and for this church corporately. But one thing I know about God and I know about the preaching of his word, that there can be a corporate word that will come down from the voice of God and straight from heaven that packaged in that corporate word is an individual life changing truth that's going to hit every person under the sound of my voice today. 
So I'm speaking to you corporately, but I'm speaking to you individually. Do you have the kind of heart that God revives? Notice, number one, first characteristic of the heart that God revives. God revives a hungry heart. Somebody say hungry. You ever been real hungry? How many of you know you get hungry enough, you're going to find something to eat? How many of y'all ever raided the fridge at 3 o'clock in the morning? Six of you. Lord, have mercy. Them lying demons are still around. (laughs) You get hungry enough, you'll eat stuff. You you know, you don't ever say, oh, I would never eat that. No, uh -uh, no, no, don't you say that. Because people that have been real hungry, lost for a few days without anything to eat, been known to eat some crazy stuff. Because if you get hungry, you're going to find something to eat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) So today, I want you to understand this heart. God revives a hungry heart. Now, listen, y'all. This I want you to get this picture. Jesus was invited by the man into his house. So Jesus goes into the Pharisee's house. This woman finds out that Jesus is in the house. He's in a private dwelling. He's in the Pharisee's house. When she finds out that Jesus is in there, she goes in the man's house. She busts in the man's house. Ain't been invited. Jesus had an invitation. She ain't got no invitation. And don't you know, there's a bunch of people on the outside of that house, standing around on the outside in groups. And, you know, they talk, yeah, yeah, he went in there. Yeah, Jesus, he's in there. Yeah, he's in there. And this woman's on the outside. (laughs) And she's thinking, wait a minute, excuse me. Hang on, y'all. Wait a minute. Did I hear y'all say Jesus is in there? Yeah, well, excuse me. Y'all get out of my way. Y'all can stand out here and want to go in. I ain't got time for that because I'm desperate. How many of you understand that desperate people go to desperate measures? Desperate people pray desperate prayers. Desperate people will jump through desperate hoops because when you get desperate enough, you're going to get to heaven. You're going to get a hold of God. You're going to find out something. Are you hearing me? You remember, listen, desperate people ain't interested in praying pretty prayers. You remember when Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water and he began to sink? The Bible says that he started praying. Now, this is not how he prayed. He did not pray. Dear Lord Jesus. As thou can see, I am now sinking. I beseech thee, Lord. How many of you know he ain't praying? Y'all remember what he prayed? Jesus, save me! Desperate people pray. Listen, my wife and I had, well, we met many years ago, we first in the ministry, pastoring, and, and we, we had a car. That every time we got in it to go somewhere, and I ain't making this up, y'all. I'm telling you the truth. Every time we got in to go somewhere, we laid hands on the dashboard. And we prayed, Jesus, you see us right now, again, taking our lives in our own hands. 
Jesus, we pray for traveling mercy. Get this thing there and get it back with us in it. And one day my wife's driving that car with a friend of hers. She was a member of our church and her name was Joanne. And my wife was driving and they were going somewhere. And my wife got ready to come to a stop up there and saw an intersection coming. And so she put her foot on the brake and it went straight to the floor. And she turned to Joanne and she said, Joanne, don't panic, but we don't have any brakes. And Joanne went into prayer. And here was her prayer. Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> See, when you try to pre- when you try to pray pretty, I don't even know if you're serious or not. You try to you try to impress us with your oratory. I ain't even going there. I just want to know who's desperate. You know what I'm talking about? Desperate enough that you'll pray desperate prayers and that you'll do desperate things. And you're hungry enough, you'll feed something. You're going to get some food somewhere. You get hungry enough, you will find God. This woman busts in the man's house and says, y'all get out of my way. You can hang around out here if you want to. But there's something in there I need. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you understand? But when this woman heard that he was in the house, the only, she said, the only thing standing between me and him is that door. That ain't enough. I'll get to him. People don't have a hunger for the Lord's presence anymore. That's why they ain't here today. Because people don't hunger for God like they have in the past. But I'm going to tell you that there is coming a There is coming a day, you can sense it, the world is shifting, you can see it happening. That there is something happening in this world today that's causing people to understand and realize, maybe, just maybe, God does have the answer after all. Maybe we became too atheistic as a nation and we left God behind. Maybe we gave up on the church too soon. Maybe they have the answer after all. And that, my friend, is what I'm praying will happen at CHC. That something will happen. Revival will break out in this place and break out in you. And Tallahassee will come to this place and say, you know what? We're desperate. We're hurting and we're scared. But we sense something about you that gives us some peace and some calm. Because though... Jesus said, the Bible says of Jesus that he is our peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is to be at rest in the middle of the mess. Peace is knowing it don't matter what it looks like. It don't matter what's going on around me. I found something on the inside that anchors me. And and the world is desperate right now for that to happen. The world is desperate to find some peace. They just need somebody to model it. Hey, you want to know what peace looks like? Look here. Hallelujah. 
Say, Bishop, you bragging? No, I'm just bragging on the fact that Jesus walked into my life, saved me, filled me with his joy and his peace. And now I'm getting hungrier than I've ever been in my life. I'm getting hungrier. I'm more desperate than I've ever been in my life. I'm doing this as as Michael made me tell you over 50 years I've been doing this but I'm more hungry and I'm more desperate that's why I'm sharing with you listen y'all the way this thing works is God gets on me then I get on you that's kind of how this works and so God got on me about this and God says you ain't hungry enough and you're not desperate enough your heart ain't right your heart's gotten calloused and it's time for a heart change we need some heart surgery in the church y'all where God comes and takes his Holy Ghost scriptural scalpel and starts doing some work on the inside of us that makes us hungry and desperate for the voice of God we need revival and we need to be hungry number two the kind of heart that God revives is a desperate heart desperate Listen, y'all, this was a deliberate and determined act on her part. As I already told you, the woman was uninvited, but desperate. She was excluded, but desperate. She was in the outside, but desperate. She wasn't recognized as one of the in crowd, but she was desperate. And when you get desperate, you're going to get, you're going to get a hold of God. You will never see revival. Listen, this woman was willing to risk rejection by the Pharisees to find acceptance from Jesus. You will never see revival until you stop trying to win popularity contests. You will never see revival until you quit worrying about what somebody don't think about you. Why are you worried about what somebody going to think about you when they can't heal you, can't save you, can't deliver you, can't bless you, can't minister to you? Why are you worried? How many of y'all love me? Fifteen of you. Lord, I'm in trouble. How many of you going to love me when I finish saying what I'm about to say? All right. I'm gonna, some of y'all didn't raise your hand. Y'all, some of y'all, I don't know what you're going to say. I ain't going to raise mine. <laughs> love me now. Your opinion of me don't matter a ham sandwich to me. Come on, somebody. Your opinion of me don't matter. And I'm not going to let your opinion of me determine any, anything that I do, think, or say. Come on. Because I'm desperate enough to risk rejection by you. So that I can touch Jesus and step into his presence and find his acceptance. Are you listening to me? 
I need him. I don't need you. I want you. Don't get me wrong. I, I want you. I want your presence in my life. I want your fellowship. I want your relationship in my life. But I don't need you. But I need him. I'm desperate for him. Is anybody following me today? Hallelujah. This woman taught us so much. Got to learn from this woman. The only one on the outside or the inside that she was trying to get the attention of was Jesus. Here's another thing you need to hear. In the state this woman was in, she didn't have anything to lose. See, listen, if in your opinion you got a lot to lose, then you'll never get the attention of Jesus. You ain't got nothing to lose. You're going to always be one of those on the outside wishing you were on the inside. Because you're holding on to stuff you think you can't lose. <laughs> what have you got in your life? What in the world would you hold on to? What in the world would you put significance in to the extent that you would feel like I can't let everybody know that I'm mad, sold out, crazy Christian? Because if I do, I might lose. Man, how silly, how stupid, how crazy we are. This woman says, y'all can think what y'all want to. I ain't got nothing to lose. I'm in trouble. And I'm desperate. And I'm hungry. So y'all just going to have to get out of my way. And no matter what the rest of the church does, I'm coming after Jesus. When there's a prayer meeting I saw announced a little bit earlier today, prayer meeting going on, excuse me, y'all get out of my way. I'm going to get a hold along. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus with some of my brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Y'all, this woman's teaching you how to have revival and how to get changed and how to get a, get your heart right so that God can move in your life in a dimension that you've not seen. Number three, the heart that God revives is a humble heart. Somebody say humble. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. Notice, y'all. Notice this. Everything she did from the moment that she walked into that house, everything she did, she did at his feet with tears. Hmm. The Bible says in James 4, 6, God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble. That word resist, that's a powerful word. In the Greek, God resists the proud. The word resist means to arrange and battle against. Ooh, that's a, that'll make you nervous. It means to oppose. It's, it's a military term. It's a fighting term. God opposes, sets himself against, and arranges against the proud. That's right. Man. Listen. If God opposes you, you lose. 
Are you hearing me? <laughs> the word is powerful. But then he said, but he, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due season he will. Hallelujah. I'm about to take that lap. Because I understand what it is to humble myself in the presence of God in spite of what you think about me or feel about me. Humble myself at the feet of Jesus with tears running down my cheek and have him walk it. You ever been at, you ever been all upset at three o'clock in the morning and you didn't have anybody to preach you a sermon and didn't have a praise team to sing you a worship song and it was just you and God all by your when the tears were flowing and you had the Holy Ghost walk into the room and Jesus touched you and met. anybody know what I'm talking about listen I'm here to suggest to you today that when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God he will shower you with his grace and no, make no mistake about it grace is what you need it ain't what you deserve it's what you need grace ain't what you deserve Grace, in fact, is not getting what you deserve. We need grace. We need mercy. We need favor. Mercy. Great. I need mercy. How many of y'all know? Listen, how many of you know this? Mercy is what you need when you know you're guilty. See, if you go to court and you're charged with something and you go stand before the judge and he says, how do you plead? And you say, your honor, I'm guilty. I did everything they accused me of. But your honor, I throw myself on the... I need mercy. I deserve the punishment, but I get the grace. I walk in mercy. I deserve hell, but I get heaven. Come on, somebody. I deserve all of the mess in my life, but I get his favor. His, the psalmist said his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Anybody ever walked in the favor of God before? You ever had God show you a, 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 some favor when everybody else was trying to scratch their head and figure out how did you get there? How did you make it there? How did you come through that? How did you rise above that? How did you get to that office? How did you get to that position? All you can say is... Don't be so stupid now to try to take any credit. All you can say is, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he's been good to me. Hallelujah. The humble heart is a heart that God showers with grace. Number four. The heart that God revives is a heart that 
esteems God over men. She walked in among all those in the house. Watch this. There were, there were people in the house, including the homeowner. But she esteemed Jesus over everybody else. They were all in the house, but she treated Jesus honorably. Do you esteem God over men? I believe that one reason we have not yet seen worldwide revival. Y'all love me while I say this. I'm going to try to say this in a way that I can clarify what I'm saying. I don't want to confuse anybody with what I'm about to say. But one of the reasons that we've not seen worldwide revival is because in the kingdom of God nowadays, we have way too many superstars in the kingdom. We got, we got people that are sitting on church pews that are esteeming the superstar as if he's God somehow. I was at a large conference a couple of a couple of a number of years ago, and we had taken a lunch break, and Benny Hinn was uh, uh, was one of the attendees of this conference. And we had taken a lunch break, and we went to a restaurant. And I was the group I was with. We were sitting eating, and at the table next to us were some people from the same conference. And Benny Hinn and a couple of guys were with him happened to be in the same restaurant and they got up to leave and they walked by the table next to us and a lady hollered, screamed out, oh, Brother Hinn, Brother Hinn. And he graciously stopped and shook her hand. And she took his hand and she kissed his hand and, and she just, oh, I'm so glad to meet you. And he left. And when he left, I, 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 we're looking at her and she says, and she starts crying. And she says, I'm never going to wash that hand again. I'm telling you what I heard, what I saw. I'm never going to wash that hand again. He, and she said, he touched me. Now listen, y'all, I love Benny Hinn. This ain't got nothing to do with Benny Hinn. I love him. Thank God for his ministry. What he, ain't got nothing to do with him. I'm just telling you, this woman esteemed him over God. And thought that somehow, listen, I saw, I was flipping channels one night. This has been obviously many years ago, but uh, when Michael Jackson was in his, in his prime. And I'm flipping channels one night on the TV and I come across this guy standing on a large platform and lights and, and he's talking and I paused to see what he was talking about. And he was introducing somebody. And he's carrying on and the drum rolls are going and the music's and the lights are flashing and, and he's carrying on about the greatness and all, and I'm wondering who, it, and then all, so he says, and so now I present to you Michael Jackson. And he comes dancing out onto the stage and the camera panned the front of the stage and little girls, 14, 15, 16, young boys had rushed down to the stage and they're reaching up on the stage to touch him with tears rolling down their cheeks. And I got convicted. And I said, I promised the Lord, I said, Lord, you know what I'm going to do? Very often in church, I'm just going to introduce you. 
And I'm going to have everybody stand and give you a standing ovation. Because there was, there was one that stepped out on center stage about 2,000 years ago who is worthy of all the applause, all the accolades, and all the praise. Would you stand on your feet right now and let's give a standing ovation to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the mighty God, Jesus! 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 We love you, Lord! We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may sit down just for a few minutes. That felt good, didn't it? I like that. You know, every once in a while, y'all just stand up in your living room. Say, Lord, I give you a standing ovation today. And thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Glory to God. Number five. The heart that God revives, the broken heart. The broken heart. Listen, everything this sinner woman did reflected what was going on on the inside of her. All of her outward actions, every every outward manifestation was symbolic. It was representative of what was going on inside her heart. She was broken. So when she takes this very costly alabaster box filled with even more costly perfume and she breaks that box, what she's saying to Jesus is, I am breaking myself, my heart. I'm broken before you and I'm going to pour myself out as a drink offering to you. Hallelujah. And as I pour myself out, Lord, I pray that you will pour back into me. Take out of me everything that's unlike you and pour back into me what resembles you. Let me reflect you to this mixed up, messed up, confused, desperate, hurting world. The breaking of the alabaster box reflected her own brokenness. And you will never experience revival if you care more about the box than you do the contents. It ain't about the box. Number six, and I'm closing with this. And I saved this one for last because I want to spend a minute here to close this out on this. The heart that God revives is a worshiping heart. Worshiping heart. Listen, worship has a way of connecting you supernaturally, connecting you to the one you worship. Worship has this intrinsic quality about it that allows you to move into personal relationship with what you worship. There are people worshiping stuff today and you can see it even in their lives how it is so connects them to what they worship. 
This woman comes to him and pours herself out in worship and begins to honor him at his feet and anoint him in worship with the oil, crying her tears and drying his feet with her hair. Wow. Worship. Worship. How many of you? The Lord dealt with me a while back about the word, about intimacy. He, he, he said, I want intimacy. And, I, and he said, look at the word intimate, 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 in to mate, into mate. I said, hmm, interesting. How many, of, here's what the Lord showed me. How many of you women who have had babies know that when you went to the doctor and found out you were pregnant, you didn't get pregnant in the doctor's office? There was a moment where in intimacy a seed was planted on the inside of you. How long has it been since you got a fresh revelatory word from God? How long has it been since you had one of those moments of encounter with the Creator? How long has it been since you heard the voice of God? Maybe, if it's been a while, just maybe there's not been enough times of intimacy. Because it is in times of intimacy with God that he deposits the seed of your next dream, your next step, your next vision, your next assignment. God can speak to you in moments of intimacy. He's not, listen, God's already chased you down once when he left heaven to come get you. But now he don't just necessarily go and run you down every day. He wants you to some way, somehow find time to say, Lord, it's just me and you. And I close the door right now to all the other voices in my life and so that I can only hear one. One of the advantages that I have, and all of you don't get to share this, but there are, there are ways to create this in your life. But one of the advantages, I drive about 50,000 miles a year. I've got a Ford F-350 out there that is my tabernacle. And I'm telling you, I drove two hours this morning. So when I came to church, y'all, I already been in church. I've been in his presence all morning. And God speaks to me and I hear his voice. Because I recognize his voice because I've heard it before. Listen, you could, you could blindfold me and put me in a room with a hundred women in there standing around talking. Blindfold me, send me into that room with my wife in the middle of that hundred women. You give me a few minutes blindfolded, I will find my wife. We've been married 50 years. How many of you know I can find my wife? And the reason is because we've had so much intimacy and time together that I know her. I know her voice. 
I know her laugh. I know her smell. I know her. Are you hearing me? Watch this. This woman bows at his feet, wipes his feet with her hair. They get up and they leave the house. And when Jesus walks out of the house through the crowd, the crowd says, Oh, look at that. Wow, what a fragrance on him. Oh, he smells awesome. Wow. And the Pharisee comes by and another comes by and another. And all of a sudden, this little lady comes out of the house and happens to walk by somebody. And they say, wait a minute. She's got that same fragrance on her that he had on him. Two people came out of that house that day smelling like that. Two. Listen, y'all. I may not look like Jesus, but I sure do smell like him. Because I poured myself out at his feet. And I worship him. And I'm intimate with him. Are you hearing me? And there is no friend like Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. Andre Crouch said, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Worship. Worship connects you to the one you worship. Do you feel disconnected at times from God? If you do, worship. Just worship. No big secret. Just worship. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Worship. I read a scripture in Revelation chapter 3. This is my last point. Revelation chapter 3. The angel is talking to the church of Laodicea. That's the reason I read the first verse because I wanted to establish that point. Talking to the church of Laodicea. Verse 14, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right? Now listen to me. Catch this very carefully. And I'm promising you I'm closing with this. If he's standing at the door of the church and knocking, where's he at? He's outside. If he's standing at the door of the church and knocking, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get in. But watch this amazingly to the church. He's talking to the church. I'm standing at the door and knocking on the door of the church. But then the terminology changes, shifts. All of a sudden, a whole different approach. He says, and if any one... We'll open the door. I'll come into him. So here's what the Lord said to me. I said to him, Lord, how are we going to do it? How are we going to see revival? How are you going to get back in your church? 
The church of Laodicea, Laodicea, most Bible scholars, all that I know of, believe that it is representative of today's church age. So the Lord standing at the door knocking of the church today. God, how are you going to do it? How are you going to send revival? How are you going to get back in? Here's what God's word is to me. One man at a time. One woman at a time. One teenager at a time. One child at a time. One person at a time. Who will open the door and say, here I am, Lord. Come in and talk to me. So let me challenge every one of you today to be that one that hears the knock, goes to the door and opens the door and says, Lord, I don't know about the rest of them, but you got my attention. Here I am. Speak to me. Talk to me. Come in, Lord. Sup with me. Get in my spirit. Stand up on your feet with me, everybody. Is there anybody, anybody in here today hungry for Jesus? Anybody want to see a revival? Anybody want to see the Lord touch your life and change your life and minister to you? I want to do this. I don't know everybody here, obviously, and so it would be a great mistake on my part to assume that everybody here is ready to go to heaven. I want to do this. I want to I want to open for uh, uh, an opportunity for you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior but you'd like to you'd like to invite him into your life today I want to give you an opportunity and I want to pray for you in just a moment maybe you're here and you say Bishop I, 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 I'm actually saved and I've asked the Lord into my heart but I sure have gotten a little cold I've gotten a little backslidden and I know I need to get back to where I'm supposed to be if Bishop include me in his prayer if that's you in either one of those two invitations if that's you that I just described I want you to raise your hand and by raising your hand you're going to say Bishop include me in this prayer that you're about to pray include me in the prayer God bless you. I see several hands. I see several hands. Those of you that have your hand raised, I want you to do one more thing. I want you without hesitation, without even thinking about it. Come, step out. Meet me right here. Let me pray with you. Come down here. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, those of you that came down here, look up here at me for a moment. Look here. Look at me. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, we ought to be excited right now, y'all. Glory. Now, look at me. Jesus Christ is the only thing in this entire mixed up world that makes any sense whatsoever. The only hope for man is in Jesus Christ. Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Now, Jesus said that of himself. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. 
many of y'all have seen those bumper stickers on cars that says uh, uh, coexist with all of the logos from all the different religions? Oh, there's a cross in there saying that we should, all religions should coexist. Well, I love them. I'm praying for them. But let me tell you, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, the life. And you can't get there any other way. So today, I'm challenging you from this moment forward to learn from this woman who walked into that house and poured herself out in worship. Let her heart that she reflected become your heart and God himself will take up residence in your house, in your car, and most of all, he'll take up residence down in your reborn spirit and live big in you. So pray this prayer with me. Those of you that are standing here, say this to him, not to me, but say it from your heart. Say this, Lord Jesus, I stand before you today, needing you. I'm desperate for you. And Lord, I'm going to worship you. In fact, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to kneel at your feet and have times of intimacy with you every day Lord forgive me of my sin wash me in your blood forgive me for straying away forgive me from backsliding and today take my life I'm offering it to you in Jesus name receive me Lord and I receive you now, if you meant that prayer, look up toward heaven and give the Lord a praise. Give him a thanks. Hallelujah. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 1030, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.